the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Happy July 7th, 2021. We spoke yesterday of Nicole Hannah-Jones, the creator, inventor, really, of the 1619 Project and her being granted tenure at UNC only to turn it down and take a job at Howard University for more money and prestige in her title. Dominique Green nails it. Congratulations to Nicole Hannah-Jones for parlaying the intellectual imposture of the 1619 Project into a job for life. Hannah Jones has been hired by Howard University as a professor of race and journalism. Both of these fields rife with dubious standards and historic embarrassments, so she should fit right in. There are those on the pipe smoking right who object to allowing a Montbanc like Hannah Jones onto the verdant lawns and into the stinky precincts of the institutions of what used to be called higher learning. They protest about academic standards but forget that they don't exist anymore. They cite the history professors whose criticisms of the 1619 Project obliged Hannah Jones not just to reduce her hyperbolic claims about the sinful conception of the American Republic, but to deny that she had ever expressed them at all an exercise in airbrushing that goes against the principles of race and journalism should they ever be found to exist. The grumblers, though, are wrong. The Hussman School of Journalism and Media at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, was wrong, too, when it initially denied Hannah Jones' tenure. In addition to a lucrative five-year contract, it attempted to right that wrong through the further wrong of surrendering to mob protests by then offering Hannah Jones' tenure with the contract. But she was right to say the first wrong was more wrong than the second wrong, right? She was right because she understood her value. It is an iron law of business that you should never interrupt a customer who's in the middle of paying over the odds. Journalism is still a business, just about. Race is most definitely a business, and so is selling six-figure degrees in journalism. If the historically black parents of historically black Howard University students want to burn their historically black life savings on completely worthless degrees in race and journalism... We shan't stop them. If Barnum and Bailey College wants to place Nicole Hannah-Jones in sole charge of its nuclear reactor and give courses in splitting the infinitive, let it. What could be more American than slinging every penny you have at the bait-and-switch that calls itself the liberal arts in the hope that your child will return from a four-year finishing school a howling snob with the right connections? Isn't it heartening that after the horrors of slavery and disgraces of Jim Crow, Historically black parents get to buy into the same hustle as historically white parents. Once upon a time, they just wanted a really good education. Politics and ideology have made it so they now, we all now, get a really cruddy one. So we get an op-ed in today's Arizona Republic from one Professor Kevin Coakley from the University of Austin, proving yet again when it comes to intelligence or wokeness, wokeness will weigh 
out and win every time. He opens by writing, quote, The murder of George Floyd and other high-profile killings of black people last summer prompted a surge of diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts to provide more education about racism and its harmful effects. Many of these efforts have been linked to the academic concept called critical race theory, which posits that racism is not simply acts of individual bias or prejudice, but rather is embedded in institutions, policies, and legal systems, close quote. I'm sorry, did I miss something in the charges against Derek Chauvin or in his trial that implied or revealed that the killing of George Floyd had anything to do with race or the fact that he was black? I know it's not popular to say, but this is the problem. You can say racism just as in Seinfeld you can say reservation, I guess, but it doesn't mean there is or was racism any more than just saying you're holding a reservation actually holds the reservation. I mean not to make light of this. This is a serious issue. Implanting and concretizing and instantiating race or racism where it simply is not a fact, where it simply is not the case. You get this about the white power riot of January 6th as well. By the way, search your memories. Anyone recall the January 6th event being labeled as a racial event for the days that followed? Or was that something discovered or should I say invented later? Obviously the latter. Before I go back to Professor Coakley, a word on another Arizona Republic column from Lori Roberts today. I like Lori, but I think she swallows the leftist narrative a little readily oft times without a critical thought from a different angle. She writes today, quote, six months to the day after a mob broke into the U.S. Capitol in a direct attack on democracy. Representative Paul Gosar on Tuesday came once again to the defense of one of those who died in the insurrection. Oh, not one of the police officers who lost their lives in the days and weeks after the attack, close quote. And that's a clever use of language on Lori's part. Not one of the police officers who lost their lives in the days and weeks after the attack. It's clever because it's wholly distortive of the notion that no police officer lost his life in the attack or during the attack or from the attack, and it is wholly irrelevant to January 6th. No law enforcement at all, to repeat, lost their lives based on the events of January 6th. But one non-uniformed citizen did, and shame, I guess, on Paul Gosar for wanting to know how and why. Ashley Babbitt was likely shot by a uniformed officer. I say that because no guns were confiscated, were found amongst the rioters, you know, the ones engaging in violent insurrection. But here's the real offense. You know damned well if Ashley were a different race or if she supported a different presidential candidate, not only would we know the name of the officer who shot her, that officer would already be behind bars filing pretrial motions. And though no officers died as a result of the January 6th riots, an awful lot did during the summer of 2020 George Floyd riots. Any word or concern about them? No. As I said, wrong race, wrong politics. But let us be clear. January 6th was deadly for one person, a Trump supporter. Police deaths did increase last year nearly a third. Nothing from our Arizona Republic columnists on that. Nothing.
Life matters here now because of your race and ideology or based on your race and ideology. I hope the race mongers among us are happy about that sentence. Life matters here now based on your race and ideology. That's a sentence that could have come out of Mein Kampf or Darfur. I hope the left is happy for bringing it about here and acting as if it's normal, if not enlightened, when it is actually neither. But back to the Texas professor in the Arizona Republic today, if I may, he writes, quote, negative reactions to critical race theory have reached a fevered pitch with news stories depicting emotional parents at heated forums decrying what they believe to be the ills of critical race theory. There is now an energized conservative movement fueled by activists and politicians, including Donald Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis, who claim critical race theory is divisive hostile and anti-American, obsessed with race and hateful lies, and teaches kids to, t to hate each other, close quote. Quite. Yes, I, I, I'm sorry negative reactions are taking place to teaching first and second graders that racial constitution matters, and they may already be racist based on the accident of their birth. I'm sorry if activist politicians think it their job to rein in activists generally, be their be they teachers or contumacious citizens or both. Teachers are not exempt from the laws or morality. And Ron DeSantis, Yale undergrad, Harvard Law, U.S. Navy commander, has as much right to analyze what is taking place in the schools he oversees as a professor in Texas or Boston does. But notice the real crime on our side, pushing back. Recall the BLM curriculum. It states, quote, we are unapologetically black in our positioning. In affirming that black lives matter, we need not qualify our position, close quote. A priori, peremptory acceptance is what you must do. No debate, no discussion, no alternative points of view. The doctrine of the state is to dominate. And here's the masterful rhetorical trick in this provision. To want to debate or discuss or challenge this theory of pedagogy is now ipso facto racist. We need not justify our position. Convert or die is how religious fundamentalists do it. This is how race mongers do it. This is how Marxist Leninists, Maoists and Nazis do it, too. No debate, just martinet acceptance. That's what the cadre wants. That's what the state wants. That's what the vanguard demands. As for claiming critical race theory is un-American, well, yes. If you think Dred Scott and Plessy v. Ferguson and the Confederacy were un-American, may I quote from the dissent? The dissent in Plessy v. Ferguson from John Marshall Harlan, quote, In view of the Constitution, in the eyes of the law, there is in this country no superior dominant ruling class of citizens. There is no caste here. Our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. In respect of civil rights, all citizens are equal before the law. The humblest is the peer of the most powerful. The law regards man as man and takes no account of his surroundings or his color when his civil rights is guaranteed by the supreme law of the land are involved. It is therefore to be regretted that this high tribunal, 
the final expositor of the fundamental law of the land has reached the conclusion that it is competent for a state to regulate the enjoyment by citizens of their civil rights solely upon the basis of race. In my opinion, the judgment this day rendered will in time prove to be as pernicious as the decision made by the tribunal in Dred Scott. Close quote. Yes, yes, yes. And the Texas professor apes the majority thinking in Dred Scott as well. So, yeah, if Plessy versus Ferguson and Dred Scott were wrong, critical theory is you betcha anti-American. I will tell you this. A real newspaper would have edited and fact checked the hell out of this op-ed. He goes on to write, though. And this is where I stopped reading, as I knew I was reading the work of either a fool or a knave. Quote, it appears that the ultimate goal of anti-CRT efforts is to prevent any discussion about racism that presents America as less than perfect. Critical race theory reminds us that on matters of race, America remains far from perfect and is still a work in progress. Close quote. Proof again, they don't listen to us or read us and thus don't know what they're talking about. I literally know of nobody critical of critical race theory who thinks or talks this way, that it is to prevent a discussion about, about racism that presents America as less than perfect. I know not one opponent of CRT who thinks this. I have been in the trenches of teaching American history for a long time. I've helped write American history textbooks. I've reviewed American history textbooks. I've been in a vol I've been involved in a lot of this. And if there are two textbooks on American history that could be considered to be written by conservatives, I'm thinking of The Land of Hope by Wilfred McClay and America the Last Best Hope three volume series by William Bennett, you will find a ton of discussion about racism and America as less than perfect, hanging right in the front windows of those books in their prefaces, as well as throughout the book. The difference is, we think those racial moments were aberrational and wrong. The left and CRT proponents, like Jefferson Davis before them, think the racial moments the key points of American history and justified based on our founding. We teach racism is wrong. They teach as, they teach it as right. But there will be no honest journalism, knowledge, or public debate so long as straw men are erected to explain the benefits of that which I thought we got rid of at Nuremberg. And now you know one of the reasons I say never again is a lie. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. I don't know how many of you have seen the uh, video out of Florida of uh, a member of uh, a group called Noms for Liberty uh, trying to in, um, stop critical race theory in the Florida schools. This wonderful mother, uh, Keisha King, uh, I, I I don't know. Rhonda Sanders retweeted and others have retweeted her message to the State Board of Education there. And uh, she's going to be our guest uh, later in the show. Um, I'm delighted uh, that we were able to get her 
Should we? Do we have time to play what she said to the board? Yeah, play 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 what uh, Keisha King said to the board yesterday. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me uh, speak. My name is Keisha King. I'm a mom of two, one who's in the Duval County public school system and one in private school thanks to school choice. I'm also a member of Moms for Liberty, uh, representing thousands of parents. Just coming off of May 31st, marking the 100 years of the Tulsa riots, it is sad that we are even contemplating something like critical race theory where children will be separated by their skin color and deemed permanently oppressors or oppressed in 2021. That is not teaching the truth, unless you believe that whites are better than blacks. I have personally heard teachers teaching CRT, and we have had an assembly shut down because Duval County Public School System consultant thought it would be a great idea to separate students by race. This is unacceptable. CRT is not racial sensitivity or simply teaching unfavorable American history or teaching Jim Crow history. CRT is deeper and more dangerous than that. CRT and its outworking today is a teaching that there is a hierarchy in society where white, male, heterosexual, able-bodied people are deemed the oppressor and anyone else outside of that uh, status is oppressed. That's why we see corporations like Coca-Cola asking their employees to be less white, which is ridiculous. I don't know about you, but telling my child or any child that they are in a permanent oppressed uh, status in America because they are black is racist and saying that white people are automatically above me, my children, or any child is racist as well. This is not something that we can stand for in our country. And don't take it from me, look at the writers of these types of uh, publications. Our ancestors, white, black, and others hung, bled, and died right alongside each other to push America towards that more perfect union. If this continues, we will look back and be responsible for the dismantling of the greatest country in the world by reverting to teaching hate and that race is a determining factor on where your destiny lies. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. She'll be our guest uh, later in the show. Meanwhile, the teachers' unions are doubling down. We talked to you about the NEA and uh, a proposal uh, they were um, they were they were pushing yesterday. Uh, including the proposal that quite literally says, quote, we oppose attempts to ban critical race theory and or the 1619 project. This was the piece that also talked about cis-heteropatriarchy and anthropocentrism. Um, guess what? Guess what? Um, they deleted it from the NEA website. They deleted it. They just deleted all that from the NEA website. But don't be discouraged, progressives. In marches Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers, who today said, quote, let's be clear. Critical race theory is not taught in elementary schools or high schools. Remember, the NEA was proposing that it not be banned in elementary schools or high schools. But here, uh, Randy Weingarten is saying it's not taught. She goes on to say, quote, it's a method of examination taught in law school and college that helps analyze where other systemic racism exists. But cultural warriors are labeling any discussion of race, racism or discrimination as CRT to try and make it toxic. They are bullying teachers and trying to stop us from teaching students accurate history. So we now have set up a legal organization to defend them and fight this. Great. Guess what else they're doing? 
They are researching organizations that oppose them. I have a lot more to say about that. The stool pigeoning in the Soviet Union commences courtesy of the AFT. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, Grand Pan, excuse me, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, the website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, and his radio show right here on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. John Dombrowski, how are you this Wednesday? Fantastic. How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing fine. Uh, stock markets looked like they were moving in the northerly direction. They were. Uh, yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit, if I can, about uh, Joe Biden's tax plans. Okay. Uh, corporate taxes, uh, plans to raise taxes on what he calls the wealthy. Uh, always a Democrat uh, talking point, a little less favored by those who it's going to affect. Um, and, you know, if you do the reading all the way down, uh, these stories and these plants tends to affect everyone, which is why it seems to be losing some favor. Yeah? Well, definitely. And, I mean, you know, we talk about $1.9 trillion COVID-19 rescue, rescue uh, $1.2 trillion physical infrastructure plan, $1.8 trillion proposed for families, child care, and paid work relief. I mean, this is these numbers are staggering, right? So these are all uh, proposed they haven't passed yet. Whether or not they are or not, we don't know. However, uh, also part of this is to raise not only corporate tax rates, but personal income tax rates as well for what is considered, at least from the Democratic side, the wealthy. And, uh, you know, one of the quotes in this was pretty interesting in this article. Uh, and I don't know if you, if you caught that. Yeah. Uh, talked about. I think we're um, talking about the same article, but anyway. I, I think we are, right? Yeah, he, he talked, borrowing has uh, been cheap for a long time. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry, I got the wrong. I got the wrong quote. But anyway, where Biden is saying he wants, of course, the wealthy to pay for this, which is always, as you said, the mantra of the left. And unfortunately, Seth, um, I don't think he's going to have the votes for this. And if he, if they do, I think BlackRock is the managers warned that if the proposed 28 percent corporate tax rate. Uh, it comes into play that the average earnings per share for companies in the S and P 500 could fall as much as seven percent. Right. So that would be pretty significant, and that would be a, a pretty big hit to the stock market. Yes, and I think that it, maybe this was the quote you were looking for. If we were looking at the same thing, it was a quote of Biden's from about a year ago when he was running, saying, "My tax policy is based on a simple proposition." which is stop rewarding wealth and start rewarding work a little bit. A little bit, right? Right, start rewarding work a little bit. But you can't do the first – you can't stop the first and continue to do the second, can you? The workers aren't starting companies and employing fellow workers. No, no, exactly right. And and we we have to get people back to work. This is the big thing. Uh, You know, the other side of this too, Seth, is that if we did see – something uh, such as this tax hike that they're talking about, and if the market did have this major pullback that they talk about, uh, that affects every American who has a retirement account. You know, whether you've got a small 401k or a large 401k, other investments, you're going to definitely uh, feel the, the, you know, the wrath of this 
if the markets have a major pullback. Uh, we all look at our 401ks, our retirement accounts. We're trying to build our net worth to get to a certain point to one day we can retire and feel confident with the assets that we hold that it will sustain our income through our lifetime in retirement. But uh, when you start to mess with uh, these policies that have uh, uh, this big of a negative effect potentially on the markets, uh, I don't think this is going to be what most people are going to want. Well, I, I just seem to recall how we've done <coughs> excuse me, how we've done booms in the past. And since Republicans um, never seem to get the negotiation they want, they end up getting their tax cuts with an awful lot of spending. And uh, as we saw with Bush, as we saw with Reagan, as we saw right. with Trump, it does it does okay for the economy uh, so far as receipts, growth, and employment. But what we haven't had a recipe for in a long time, John, is this kind of spending, which is what that you outlined close to what five trillion dollars, I think, if my math is right. Correct. Yep. Uh, in addition to higher taxes, that's right. that's a recipe for a recession, as far as I'm concerned. Well, the one the one factor right now that that keeps coming back is that interest rates that they're still so low yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, and you know we're seeing the ten year Treasury dropping now down to one point three percent, which hasn't happened for for. You know, many, many, many months. Many thought we were going to see this, uh, you know, start to approach the 2% range, uh, but we did see it uh, make a drastic reversal here. And that's why we're starting to see the markets uh, move move higher again, and especially tech. These low interest rates are, are boding very well for tech companies because these are companies that reinvest into their own business, and they can do it on the cheap. Yeah. Course. And uh, but once uh, if interest rates go up, if inflation is here, if all these things start to taxes go up, these are all the things that are going to affect the market, and that's what I'm looking at. You know, for my clients, is trying to find find ways to get them to continue to grow their net worth. Of course. Oh, I lost the clock. Give me the Al McCoy real quick here, buddy. Oh, yeah. Securities and Advisory Services, offered to Client 1 Securities LLC, a member of Pacific and Investment Advisory Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client 1 out. Securities LLC are not affiliated. We got it, John. What, what a shot. Thank what a you. shot. Got it, yo. What a shot. Okay. Wow. All right. All right. Well, who's, the, who's the guy who used to call the Syracuse Orange Games? Dick Vitale. Did he Dick have a Vitale. Yeah. Yeah. Dick he had Vitale. a thing. Too, yeah. What was what? his? Something oh, uh, baby? Something baby. Oh, yeah. I, I don't. I, but he's on one of the Geico commercials, I think, too, right now. Something baby. Yeah. I don't, we can Google it. We'll check we'll, it out. We well. will. We will know by the All time right. we come back. JD, thank you. Until, you until later. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. We're going to hear from that Florida mom battling CRT uh, with the State Board of Education in Florida. We're going to hear from Congressman Andy Biggs. We're going to hear from David Schweikert. And I'd love to hear from you. Anything on your mind, 602-508-0960. All credit to the Phoenix Suns for their victory last night. It was a great second half. But I say that with um, uh, what a little, just just a, a little bit of bile uh, in the back of my throat here, because the NBA is um, such a um, oh, what's the word I want? Execrable organization. It really is, and what it has done with 
patriotism, what it has done with support for the police, what it has done with support for our allies abroad, what it has done with regard to appeasing tyranny in China is execrable. Execrable. How do you pronounce it, Bill? Can you look it up and do one of those Dennis Prager things? Execrable. E-X-E. Execrable. How do you say it? This is a learning show. Execrable. 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 Their behavior has been execrable. Adam Silver, who is the commissioner of the NBA, gave a press delivered a engaged in a press conference last night, and he was talking about their relationship with China, and he said this quote It certainly doesn't mean that we are blessing everything that happens in China by any means, as he was talking about continued business in China. We are at root an American company. And so we follow U.S. government policy. But it's my expectation that we will continue to distribute our games in China and that we can play a productive role in helping the people of the United States and the people of China have a better understanding of each other and see that we're all human beings and that there is commonality between us. Uh, Really, really. Almost every sentence in here is is a lie, starting with the first one, and so we follow U.S. government policy. Is that right? Is that the policy they were following when they punished punished, uh, Daryl Morey for uh, supporting the protesters in Hong Kong? I do have the U.S. policy on Hong Kong. It's stated in three different acts at our State Department website, the U.S. Hong Kong Policy Act, the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, and the Hong Kong Autonomy Act. The State Department says, quote, these are grounded in the determination to promote Hong Kong's prosperity, autonomy, and way of life. Now, autonomy is the same as sovereignty. So when the Hong Kongers were protesting China's incursions into their territory, and Daryl Morey simply said, we stand with the people of Hong Kong, who, by the way, were singing the national anthem, which you couldn't do at the NBA. They made Daryl Morey apologize. What a lie we stand and, excuse me, what a lie we follow U.S. government policy. How about this part? We can play a productive role in helping the people of the United States and the people of China have a better understanding of each other. Are they really doing that work at the NBA or are they appeasing and covering up uh, China's uh, transgressions? Here, you want to know about China? I'll give you China when it comes to uh, human rights and um, and the international scene. Let me not quote an American source specifically. Let me not quote anything other than a left-wing source. Amnesty International. Quote, this year, Amnesty International has documented widespread human rights violations in China that were marked by systematic crackdowns on dissent. The justice system remained plagued by unfair trials and torture and other ill treatment in detention. China still classified information on its extensive 
use of the death penalty as a state secret. Repression, I'm still quoting, repression conducted under the guise of anti-separatism or counterterrorism remained particularly severe in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous region and in the Tibet populated areas. How easy it is for people to say they love the Dalai Lama. Do they know why he hasn't been home or in his home or why his people have been expelled from Tibet? They never think to do that. Richard Gere does. That's why he doesn't get roles in Hollywood anymore. You know that? By the way, that's a good way to help Americans understand what's going on in China. Read Amnesty international on it but as adam silver says to have a better understanding of each other and see that we're all human beings and there is commonality between us i read adam silver on this and i think about those bumper stickers that say coexist because there's really only one symbol on that bumper sticker that needs that message it's not the one with the cross it's not the one with the six-pointed star it's not the other ones. On, it's, there is one that needs the message that coexistence should be peaceful and that we can get along with one another. Same concept here, that we're all human beings and there's a commonality between us. Great. Tell the Maoists. Tell the government of China, which is engaged in, again, to quote Amnesty International, systematic crackdowns on dissent, unfair trials, torture, and other ill-treatment in detention. Slave labor. Slave labor. The NBA can turn America upside down and make it fashionable and defensible not to sing the national anthem because we had slavery here that we killed off some 150 years ago. But it will defend to the utmost to its highest articulate abilities, its relationship with China today, which engages in slave labor. 150 years ago, bad. China right now, just fine. Just fine. Execrable. That's what the NBA is. I'm sorry to take away from the Suns' victory last night, which was well-earned and well-deserved, and I blame none of the players or the fans for this. I blame the NBA. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Execrable. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Trades Unlimited for all your roofing Needs, installation, repair, new, recoding, you name it. Right now they want me to tell you that foam roofs are a great option for many homes, insulating you from the Arizona heat, also exterior noise, and most importantly, water leaks. Quality and service is what you'll come to know with Trades Unlimited. I know it. I've used them. I endorse them, and I have been down to their offices and headquarters. I know these people. They are great people with a great work ethic. They have an A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau, and it is well-deserved. If you're interested in a foam recoat, a foam roof, or any any roofing repairs, please call Trades Unlimited at 480-483-1775. That's 480-483-1775. Or find them online at tradesunlimited.com. 
Com. California, California, California. Um, I hope Larry Elder decides to run for the governorship of California. I think if he runs, he can win. Um, I will do everything, and as I know all of us will do everything we could to help his candidacy. I hope he knows that. But California has a lot of problems. They just come from the opposite ideology of Larry Elder. Uh, let's start with a city that has long been problemed, but long been governed by progressives, Oakland. It's in the midst of a safety emergency, as the Oakland police chief, Lerone Armstrong, told reporters that re- the department responded to seven shootings in the city from Sunday night to Monday morning. Twelve hours of nonstop chaos is what he called it. Over next door in San Francisco, a new poll out there commissioned by the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce, which is vested in keeping people in San Francisco, finds that 40 percent of the residents plan to move out of the city in the next few years. Eight out of 10 said crime has increased and 90 percent of those polled said they believe the homeless crisis has gotten worse. Seventy five percent of residents in San Francisco said their quality of life has declined over the past year. This would be the past year where we delisted certain petty thefts, which is why Places like Neiman Marcus and Walgreens have to close shop and change hours. We have defunded the police. We have created autonomous zones. We have changed, tried to change names of high schools. We have kept high schools closed. We have kept the well quarantined. And we have allowed the homeless to proliferate while we pay people almost six figures to clean up human poop on the streets. You don't need to invent dystopias like you see on television that portray the world as anti-feminist. We have dystopias right here, which are inhumane. 